Hey guys, I know you weren't expecting to hear my voice so soon after announcing my little hiatus. However, um, after the events that took place last week, specifically on Friday with the Roe v. Wade overturning, I felt it necessary to do a podcast episode on this because this is a decision that has economic and financial impact Um on a larger scale as well as individually. So on today's episode, we have Shannon Arthur. She has been a guest before. Um, I thought that she was the perfect person to discuss what's happening from like a high level and the impact of it. Um, So I really hope that you guys enjoy today's episode. And at the end of the day, I hope that you feel motivated to go out and make change, get involved um, and do what needs to be done. Uh, I know that's something I need to do for sure. And so um, I will start taking the steps needed to do that. But um, without further ado, here's today's episode. Hi, I am Shannon Arthur and I am the development manager at Fair Fight Action. Thank you so much. Um, For those of you listening, Shannon has been a guest on this podcast before, so um, I'll link uh, her previous episodes in the show notes below. So obviously, like today's topic is about what happened last week, Friday. Um, So if you don't mind just being able to give us like a high level overview of what took place and how it was able to take place for those who don't know. So the Supreme Court decision came down about overturning Roe v. Wade along with Casey. Um, These are both statutes that protect and give women the freedom of choice to have an abortion, whether it's medically necessity or not. Um, There are parameters that have been put into place based on trimesters of a woman's birth. Um, of women's birthing process. And let me not just say women's, of a person's birthing process because trans people can't have children, um, of a person's birthing process. And these limitations were put into place um, and restrictions, situations were put into place based on the viability of the fetus. Um, so the Supreme Court decided to take it upon themselves to basically regulate people who can have children to second class status. And let's also remember that this also affects people who can't have children. So women who have to go through IVF or have, or um, you have to go through IVF or any form of in vitro, this affects surrogacy. This affects more than just women who have, or people who have the ability to carry. Um, So the Supreme Court decided that, you know what, they wanted to put the hands, put it back in the hands of the states. And they, which is, very similar, which is the same argument they have made about slavery and segregation and other civil rights (laughs) regulations like gay marriage, privacy, et cetera, that they decided it should be handed upon the hands of the states and that the Supreme Court doesn't have the right or the constitution does not give the right to um, this form of protections. So yeah, that's basically the overview. And now it's up to the states to decide whether they choose to expand, ban, or limit um, abortion practices. So you said something earlier about how this affects more than just people who have the ability to carry. It affects people who are going through IVF or surrogacy. Can you touch on that for a second? Like, how is that? How how is that possible? 
Sure. So surrogacy laws are, um, and IVF laws are very strict already within states. Every state's different. Um, but with specifically, specifically with in vitro via the person who chooses to give birth or the surrogacy route, um, the embryo is now um, fertilized prior to. And doctors will now insert fertilized eggs into the person um, for and several eggs at a time, which means that in the process, they might have to abort children. So think Octomom, right? How she had eight children at one time, which was very unhealthy for her and the children later on. So a doctor would sometimes make the choice to abort certain fetuses in order to make sure that others become viable. So instead of carrying five children at one time, the doctors say, well, maybe you can carry three. Therefore, you choose to abort two and keep three, um, three embryos so you can carry full to term or have two, et cetera, which everyone works. And then once again, it's a decision between the per- birthing person and its doctor. So, um, and then their partner, if they have one, that means that also fertilized eggs are done outside of the body. And therefore, if eggs are now fertilized and the person now chooses to discard or no longer wants to go through this process because we know in vitro is very expensive um, or they just decide this is not part of their future anymore. Well, now discarding of those eggs also means it's also a form of abortion or um, in, in like, uh, I can't forget the word, particular word for it, but it's basically a form of abortion also. Um, so this means that people who cannot carry or go a different route to be carry, to carry a child are now also equally affected. And these are women who have MRKH who have PCOS, which is a really, really high diagnosing um, infertility disease, which actually affects black women and brown women more than anyone at that. So um, this is directly proportioned to attack on black bodies. So that's, I, I think that's, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? What you just like explained, I feel like it's like, I'm like, overshadowed a lot by people who are have like the ability to carry like naturally so that's like a really interesting like tidbit because so much of the conversation has been focused on people who are who have been able to carry like and conceive like naturally I didn't even like my mind didn't even think about people um like doing like surrogacy or, or IVF or um like people who have like PCOS or things like that so that's interesting and also think about like, it's about privacy at the end of the day. And if you're telling me that the right to my body is no longer private, then the right to my home is no longer private. The right to my information is no longer private. The basis of Roe v. Wade has also been the basis of a lot of tech privacy laws. And now you're telling me that, and now they use their technology, say that technology was, is about expansion of your body. And if so, if you take away that privacy now, well, the tech companies are freaking out also because, whoa, we've based real strong precedent on this. And then you have the LGBTQ plus community who now have even more strong precedent to get their rights taken away. So people think it's one thing, but it's really several. And the Supreme Court has done 
several privacy cases have now come out, including the Miranda rights that now a police officer cannot be sued if he doesn't give you your constitutional rights, which also is about privacy and protection. So we're just, they're just hitting us left and right with this. Yeah. And it always, it, it always feels like the craziest things like happen during the summer, at least the last couple of summers, it's just been like craziness. And it's, and it's done on purpose because if you're in the summer, you have your kids. If you have kids or if you're busy, you're on vacation, you know, this is the time people take time from the work. They kind of tune out and like break off. This is why things happen during the summer, you know, and mm. because less people are paying attention. It is a strategic move. Absolutely. If yeah. it wasn't, they would have done it in September. True. That makes sense. It's like super strategic. So. Um, the, the points you touched on kind of hits on my next question for you. It's basically like, why is this even like a discussion? Like, why do politicians feel the need to tell women or people in general to do it? Like, to do with like, what's the phrase? Like, why are they telling us what to do with our bodies? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. men don't get that. Like, there's no one in Congress, like, championing men get like vasectomies if they have too many kids or like something like that you know right no one's positioning them to cut it off um (laughs) I will say a lot of it has to do with this idea that we are somewhat connected to this Judeo-Christian type of behavior that a woman doesn't really have a right to herself outside of her husband, right? And as the world has advanced or and it has, as people become more tolerant, the reframing of what it means to be a person, right, has changed. And unfortunately, our lawmakers have not. Our oldest lawmaker is in their 80s. The Senate average age is has now actually been brought down to 60 and that's only 60 something. And it's only because of Ossoff and Warnock being relatively young. You know, um, our lawmakers are older and they don't necessarily reflect the current movement and generation, not all of them, um, but some of them have some archaic views, you know, and they should be challenged on them. And I think we're seeing the more society pushes, um, the more stances are going to have to change or you're going to get moved out of office. And that's just the truth because this was something that 80% of people supported. And I will tell you this, the Republican base has not um, fundraised or championed this situation on the overturning of Roe v. Wade like you thought they would. They talked about it for like 15 minutes and then went straight back to guns. Because... <laughs> It's not good for anybody. It's not good for their base of white women. It's not good for, you know, Black people. It's not good for Hispanics. It's not good for Indigenous. It's just not good. It's not good policy all around. And everyone knows that. But the Supreme Court, unfortunately, is extremely conservative and extremely archaic. And the system is not really created to work for the people it's doing exactly what's supposed to do you know but it's not created for the people do you think that 
there's any type of like monetary gain like connected to this because I know in politics there's a big phrase like follow the money and I just feel like politicians are all about their pockets and not the people so I'd love to know like what you think if 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 there is any monetary gain to to this gain no loss yes um what we know is that when birthing people and women lose their right to make choices about their bodies is that they can't work the way they want. So we will see an economic problem. We will see areas that are that have really, really strong um, right pro really, really strong pro-choice laws end up being flooded with people overbooked, understaffed after we just came out of pandemic, you know, it's going to, they're going to see a lot of problems with the healthcare system being under attack and underwater. Um, You're going to see states lose deals for, you know, hosting events. And then that becomes an economic issue. And I think we're going to see more economic backlash than anything from a decision like this. Um, I think pharmaceutical companies might see an increase when it comes to the medicated abortion that you can do at home very safely. Um, um, I think we're going to see a discussion around an increase in the production of plan B and safety around that. Um, Cause we already know, Places like CVS and Walgreens are limiting the amount you can you can actually buy. And that's because they have an expiration date. So they don't need you hoarding plan B. So I think we're going to see a influx of an economic problem and a downturn based on this decision. I don't see the plus to this besides votes when it comes to people who believe they have a right to life. And truly, it's not a right to life. It's a right to birth. That's what they want, a right to birth. Um, and it's forced birth at that. So you touched on this earlier, but how does this ban like directly impact Black women and other like minority communities? Um, so in the South, <laughs> Black women have the highest maternal mortality rates um, compared to less developed countries, we are like neck and neck. And these are countries who actually don't have basic healthcare, sewage and running water. And at the end of the day, a black woman's choice to have a child means a life and death decision. Um, Because if she choose to carry or if they choose to carry, um, she could die. Just based on the fact that she's not believed to be in pain or believed to be heard. Um, And it becomes an issue. So when people say it's a life and death decision, it is a life and death decision for um, black and brown and indigenous women. Absolutely. I think what we all are also going to see is what we saw kind of during COVID is that more um, birthing people decide to have their children at home and go back to more of a influx of like midwives and doulas and more holistic birth methods and leaving the hospital and the institution itself because people don't understand it's also expensive to have a child 
you know, they charge you to hold your baby after you've given birth. So like, yeah, it's called skin to kin skin contact and it's a billy and it's ridiculous. Um, so everyone talks about the cost of like after the child, but the process itself is expensive. The birthing process is expensive. Where you choose to birth is expensive. So I think we're going to see on the plus side, more people taking autonomy of having where they choose to have their children. But I also think we are going to see an increase in maternal mortality rates because we just, you know, ban over overturned Roe v. Wade in a country that doesn't have mandatory paid maternal leave or mortal, uh, paternal, excuse me, paternal family leave, no universal health care, maternal mortality rates are through the freaking roof. What problems are we solving? Right. <laughs> and everyone knows it's directly impacts and anything that affects you know white women will definitely impact black women and hispanic women and indigenous women and you know brown women at an even higher rate than anyone else yeah i i agree i feel like i've noticed just from people that i know and people that i've seen online like a lot more people are going the whole midwife doula like home birth um home birth route as opposed to like going to the hospital but what can be done to solve that specific issue and kind of lessen that like that that mortality rate so I would be remiss because I work at a voting rights organization to tell you to vote um but voting I will say I make this very clear and one thing I think my organization does really well is highlighting that voting is one tool right? It's not the end-all be-all. Voting will not save us. Voting will not cure everything. It's one tool in the toolbox. There's also organizing and protesting and calling our senators and running for office and giving money and supporting locally. And when your census comes up, signing up for the census and doing the census, because that's about every body, whether citizen or not, you know, making sure your community gets resources, going to your school board meetings, making sure you're participating extremely in your local elections. If you really want to see a change, participation in local elections, they're public meetings that you can speak at if you choose to. And there are organizations that will give you a script to say, so you don't have to go up there and be cold or nervous or whatever. But these people represent you and local elections will affect you before the Supreme Court affects you. As we see, when the Supreme Court ruling came down, Missouri immediately banned abortions, like the second, that was in the hour. Georgia currently has something coming down the pipeline again after we just got through the six-week situation, right? And they just extended maternal mortality coverage for Medicare to um, one year. But now you just kind of did something to reverse it. So local elections matter. Your governors, your mayors, your city council people extremely matter. Your DAs, whether or not they choose to um, go after women or working people who have had abortions and criminally prosecute them, that matters a lot. So there are positions and people that affect your more daily lives than anything else. And then support organizations on the ground. So, for example, in the South, we have the Feminist Center. We have ARC, the Feminist Health Center. We have ARC um, of the Southeast. 
Um, we have um, Sister Song, which is an, another amazing organization. You have your local Planned Parenthood chapter. But I always say focus on the local, on the ones who are doing on the ground in your community first, and then go to the big organizations. The big organizations will get the money, but your smaller organizations who also accept donations are the ones who directly impact your community. So there are multiple tools in this toolbox that we could all be using to make sure that we are throwing our, our weight around a little bit and knowing that these, when these elected officials know that you can't just be, you know, messing with us anymore. We're over it. Right. That makes sense. I feel like, I mean, I don't know if anyone else listening will like agree. I just feel like local elections, I just, and I'm not going to blame anyone else but myself. It's just, I just never know about them. It's like, I'll see a voting like sign and I'm like, wait, there's a election going on for what? And then I also don't do the work to like research like my local politicians. So it's just, yeah, I know I personally need to do a better job because like you said, they do directly impact me and affect me more so than like the people up there in like the big, big like Washington or whatever. So, yeah. I will say the easiest way to do that is just find their names and follow their social media or follow oh. social media of organizations that are in your area. So like, for example, every time there's an election happening in Georgia, Verify Action likes everyone now. You can just follow us on social media, on Instagram or on Twitter, and you will see all about the election. And then we'll even make it even easier. We'll tell you the great candidates that support voting rights or support, you know, progressive policies. Hmm. We make it dummy proof, you know? Right. There are some, there are a lot, of, most organizations do that, you know? And just find which ones that align with you, follow them, and they'll let you know what's going on. I think social media gets underplayed a lot about its value and just providing basic information like that. But local elections were not really taught to us in school. Not enough. We learned about the president, the vice president, all these other positions, but no one really told us about the impact local elections have. Like whether or not your area has a speed bump, whether or not you get access to healthcare. About Alabama has one like OBGYN who practice abortions. And she needs security and protection. How, what can we do to figure out, you know, what organizations are supporting her, you know? And she's a Black woman at that. Mm -hmm. So, like, what organizations are supporting her? Those are things you can find easily on social media. Now, going through the disinformation of it all will take some time. But if you follow organizations you trust, they will let you know, for the most part, what elections are happening, both during basic election season and on what they considered an off season. But I work at Fairfield. We don't have an off season. Basically, now I have no excuse not to vote. I need to follow Fairfight and on Twitter. And I think you're right. Like there is social media is kind of underplayed when it comes to just like spreading out like basic information. So even something, you know, like voting, you can find information on social media. It doesn't have to be like this big daunting thing. Like I was thinking about it before. And your ballot is available ahead of time. So 
you can go to the Secretary of State's website or you can go to Peach Vote. You can see where your early voting elections are. And in, at the Secretary of State's website, you can actually download your ballot ahead of time. Who's going to currently actually, who's going to be on your ballot? And then take a look and start researching and start looking. And all everyone's information and what they stand for is on their sites, including their endorsements, et cetera, et cetera. No excuses. So what words or like piece of advice do you have for people who went out, did their job, meaning they voted, but they're feeling discouraged? Um, this question came to mind because um, I saw on like someone's Instagram story, they were like, if I hear someone say like, just go out and vote one more time, like I'm going to scream, like I went out and voted and like, look what happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. That's a good point. So like, what piece of advice like do you have for people who are just feeling really just like irritated and no, just like going through all the motions with this, with this overturning? Um, one, honor those emotions because all that is valid. If you're disappointed, you have every right to be. If you're mad, you have every right to be. Um, and then once you're done being disappointed and mad, and you're coming from a calm place because I think rarity do we make decisions, smart decisions from a place of anger, right? Um, look at therapy working. Um, but <laughs> I will say, um, remember that voting is one tool and that it does matter. You know, I know it feels like it doesn't, but it does matter because then you have candidates like Biden, who has won Georgia three times now, um, win only by 11,000 votes. That's the size of a small county here in Georgia. Um, We have Stacey Abrams, who lost last time by 55,000 votes. That's the size of one county, one medium-sized county here in Georgia. Like, your vote does matter. And the closer you get to local elections, the more it's impactful, you know, because the electoral system does not come into play, right? Because local elections are done one by one by one. Um, And then there are other things that you could do. So I like to, we like to say that voting is done in three different ways. It is the ability to register the vote, the ability to cast a ballot, and the ability for your vote to be counted. You can sign up to be a poll worker. I'm not going to tell people that you can do more work because the system is just rigged. It is. I'm not going to lie. But there are community work that you can do. You can get your friends together and, you know, lobby and meet your local officials and talk to them and why things matter. And hound them and be on them and get to know them by name and trust me, they will have to remember you. You can get your friends together and you can host what I call tampon or pad parties or feminine hygiene products and get them to have a buy and purchase, put them in Ziploc bags and hand them out to homeless people because they're also directly affected by this, right? Um, You can work with local women's shelters or LGBTQ plus shelters or places where people need help, need bodies. You can fundraise and give money. There are a lot of other things to do besides voting because voting is just one tool. You know, letting your voice be heard through voting is just one tool in this toolbox. 
Um, but I will say it's it's okay to be disappointed and it's okay to be pissed off. When we got the news, we were in the middle of a training and I was like, um, you, we just got to stop this for a second because my level of like anger just hit a whole new record. And now I feel like I'm being gaslit. So it's okay. It's a, it's a push and pull. It's a give and take, but then you get like really, really good elected officials like Stacey Abrams, Senator Warnock, a pro-choice pastor, Senator John Ossoff, a pro-choice Jewish man. You know, you get Ayanna Presley and women and men and people who really do do the work to advocate for you. So I know there are going to be a lot of big losses, but the small wins do matter. You know, Boston first got, just got a first Asian woman elected in an area that is highly controversial for being extremely racist. You know, Michelle Wu is amazing and she's progressive and she's strong. And once again, she's a mayor. So she's local elected. There are a lot of areas in which we can impact change in very major ways that feel small, right? I can't control what the Supreme Court does, right? But I can control what my school board does. <laughs> and I can control who's on my school board. And I can control who's elected as DA, you know, and all these other situations. You can control a lot in this world. Um, and I think that's what we tend to forget sometimes, that a lot of this is in our hands. And a lot of it exists without the system you yeah. can we can be mad at the system but it exists outside of it there's a lot right crap I was gonna say something I was gonna say something along the lines of oh like I think for a lot of people we just like forget that we can make change on like a local smaller level just because what's in our faces all the time is like the big stuff and like the president and like people like that. So it's like, you kind of just forget, like, if you're not like, I think like for you, like you are like in this world, like day in, day out. And then for like some people who are a bit more removed, it's just kind of like, I, you don't even like, think about like think about things like the way you do so I think like you giving those examples is like really helpful and it's giving people like tangible like actionable tips on like okay like what can I do because it all boils down to just like okay we just need to be better like civilians and just be more involved in our community better people exactly yeah we all can just be better people. And, you know, I will say the cheapest thing and probably the best thing you can do is just talk to people. It's inexpensive. Mm -hmm. It's free. You know, just talk to people. You'd be surprised how many people like kitchen. I call it kitchen table talk. You know, we need to shoot and straight. Yeah. And you're just saying, you know, I'm pissed off about this. You're pissed off about this. Okay, cool. I have someone now. We have some commonalities. We're both angry about the same thing and we want to fix the same thing. Let's now then work together to figure out how we can fix the same thing. Right. And there are there are an abundance of community organizations from Black focus to Indigenous focus to Latinx focus to Asian focus. You know, they go down from religion and everything that, you know, caters to you and your needs and your wants. And they will help you maneuver 
throughout this situation. Um, But it's, it's okay to feel discouraged because we all get discouraged (laughs) and it sucks. And I think it's okay to say that it sucks. It sucks ass, you know, (laughs) and Sorry, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse. But it's no, terrible, you can. You're good. You know, <laughs> it's terrible, and it's expensive. You know, it's it's a costly expense, and it's terrible. Um, but the cheapest thing and the most effective thing you can do is just talk to people. Okay. So on the flip side, how do you feel about people who were vocal about not voting, but now they're upset? But I guess it's kind of hard to tell because I guess you can't really. Well, if they're being vocal about them not voting, then I guess you would know that they didn't vote. So, I mean, it's split down the middle. Um, First of all, you're voting. Whether you vote is public information. Let's throw that out there so everyone knows. Whether you vote is public information. Who you vote for is private. But whether or not you vote is public information. And they're using whether or not you vote to remove people from the voting rolls. So just keep that in consideration when y'all are saying y'all don't vote. Um, but I will say, I understand both sides. I understand why you feel like you don't, why you shouldn't vote because you feel discouraged and the system's you know, not created for you and everything and every all the negativity and the representatives don't really represent you and you're annoyed, blah, blah. Okay, so if you're not voting, what else are you doing? That's always my next question. What else do you do? Because if you're participation for your community and your love for your community stops at voting starts and stops at voting then your love is very cut short there's like i've said there's more to this than voting and i think you find that once you are more active in community the more inclined you are to vote because now you are even more invested because now you know the people Mm -hmm. so people who say they're not voting are also people who are not in their communities and that's just, I, I don't know how I can not vote and then look at, you know, mothers in their eyes and they, and tell me that they're scared to have children. You know, I, you can't tell, I can't tell people I'm not voting after, you know, I witnessed a man try to get off of death row and fight for him. Or every time I see a black boy shot, but then I, I say, well, who's the sheriff? And I didn't vote. Or every time a, a person of color is wrongly convicted by a all white juror, well, where do you think they get the jury from? They get it from the voting polls. Whether or not you're registered to vote, that's where the jury comes from. So if you're in a community of, like, say, the state of Mississippi, and you have all you have majority black people who live there, but all your elected most of the majority elected officials are white, come on, what are we doing? Of course, Mississippi, of course, Mississippi, there's a lot more things in there in hand because, you know, there's gerrymandering, there's voter suppression, all the other stuff. But there there are other things that like matter. So I don't if you're not voting, you're also not a part of the community. So you're not doing anything, really. And I keep it straight like that because you can't be volunteering and not voting because I don't. work. Oh my gosh. I, I think when you said like, when you see another, when you see, you know, a black boy get killed, you ask like, who's the sheriff. Like, I like, it, it, I feel like new ways of thinking for me is like being unlocked. Cause I promise you, I never thought about that. Like 
thought about it like that at all. So you have to think like, how are all these things? The system is, is rigged because it's all connected. You know, if you have, you're not registered to vote, you can't serve on a jury. And then the jury is all white and you have one black defendant and the, in the crime, now he gets sentenced, even though they don't have, you know, substantial evidence. Like it's all, it's all connected. Someone gets shot, the sheriff, like specifically, let's talk about Ahmaud Aubrey. That was hidden by the police and brought up and through the ranks, through community activists. No one would have known that without community activists mm. who were like, wait, what is this going on? Why is no one talking about it? They Community activists brought local news, not the police department. The police department tried to cover it up. The police department's also elected. <laughs> Some of these people are elected. Yeah. We have to talk about, and they also just, that area also just elected a young black mayor, an area that is majority white and quite frankly, in the middle of both being Republican and Democrat, Mm. but they just elected a young black man to be a mayor of that area and after Ahmaud Arbery. So they saw that, you know, there's some serious issues here. Let's vote to elect some change and then elect the change. Right. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Problem, solution, hello. Right. You know. Oh, it ain't man. Easy, it's but not. It's, but it's worth it. It is. It's worth it, though. It's, wor- it's worth it. You know, when you see, like, I just dropped off food to the young women who are sitting at the Capitol. Now, for me, that's not for me. I find what's for me. But what I did do is I took a picture and I said, because I'm a fundraiser, I sent to some donors and let them know that the people are here and the people are fighting and the people care, you know, and then I sent them the organization to give to, because that's what I can do. Find what you can do and then make it work for you. Right. Like this I, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, um, I was, uh, that statement, it's something similar to, uh, you know, Alana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had said some, yeah, she had said something similar, I think like maybe a year or so ago. And she was just like, yeah, like find what works for you. Cause I was saying like, I want to do something, but I'm like protest. Like I don't really like large crowds and I like, it's just like not my thing. So yeah, I, I like that you, you said that find what works, what works yeah, for you. Alana's, Alana's art and the work she did with like New Georgia Project and all these people that brings projects and people and programs elevated so people can fund them and then people get directly you know the aid and assistance they directly need mm-hmm. you know there are like I'm not a protester I'll be out there for a day and I'm like I can't do this because my anxiety goes through the freaking roof right yeah. but what I am is a fundraiser and I know how to connect people so I'm a connector cool what do you need how can I get it for you how can we fund it all right y'all are gonna go protesting cool we need cases of water. Cool. You have a Costco card. Great. Now let's go get some water. I'll find I'll find organizations or donors who will really give us the money to get the cases of water for the protest so y'all don't pass out. We need milk cartons because of, you know. Tear gas. Tear gas. Great. Great. Let's go find someone to fund this. Let's that's how I work, you know? And that works for me. Some people are on the streets people, and that's great. Some people are behind the scenes people, that's great. People who take pictures 
like when the building, when 9-11 happened, those pictures, that's what really stroke up war, you know, during the civil rights movement, images and art is what propel and media is what propelled policy. So everyone has a role to play. The civil rights movement wouldn't have been what it is if it wasn't for the media, if it wasn't for the people on the ground taking pictures, because no one was talking about it. Right. Wow. I am learning so much. That is very, very true. Now that I now that I think about it, because it's like imagery, like I feel like imagery sparks emotion. It sparks anger. And you're like, because you're seeing it, you're not just hearing about it and being like, okay, it's like you're seeing it. So you're making it sense. accessible. It's about right. making. Yeah, it's about making government and everything accessible to the people, you know? Yeah. This is the Roe v. Wade situation is going to affect everyone. It's a disability issue. It's a black issue. It's a white issue. It's a man issue. It's, you know, a trans issue. It affects everyone. And anyone who says it doesn't, they're, they're lying to themselves. Right. Because it, it affects you until it is you. It doesn't affect you until it is you. And we're, yeah. and you're like, wait, what happened? How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> have you not been paying for the last six months sir <laughs> <laughs> so true so why do you think there's such a focus on preventing abortions and not focusing on things like gun control children in foster care like for me the I'm like we have millions of children who are in the system like why aren't we focusing on them? Like gun control, it feels like every other week there's like a mass shooting where people are being senselessly killed. It's like, why are like, why can't we like focus on these issues and get that stuff taken care of? You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like telling a woman or a person who can carry what to do and not to do with their bodies, like we all have free will. Like we were all born with free will. So it's like, why are you forcing this on us and like not focusing on like bigger issues at hand, at least in my mind? Because abortion is sexy to people. It is, it is a hotter topic for people. It's more based in religion than anything else. Um, Fun fact, it go, abortion is actually okay in the Jewish religion. So if anyone tries to pull that crap, here we go. Um, there, it's, gun control takes more time in the electorate than anything. Um, not than anything, but than abortion does. And what's, an, what's okay, I'm going to sound really dumb, but like, what's an electorate? So gun control takes more time with like within Congress and the electorate is the people. So it takes more time to change the ideas of certain people. People, for some reason, feel very strongly one way or another about about um, about abortion. But when it comes to gun control, it's kind of, there's too many what if scenarios that causes the doubt and weakens the strength of having, you know, some level of change within it. So it depends on how people feel about the situation. Um, and it also depends on, for some people, for some electors, how from some people in Congress, excuse me, how their base feels. So I know Joe Manchin gets a bad rap, right? But I've met the man in person and he is 
a very, very kind and decent person who does want the best, but he does have to service the people of West Virginia. And that means the people of West Virginia feel very strongly about gun control. So if, and they also, he's also the only Democrat in his state. Therefore, within his state, he has to do more negotiations around policy than other people. Now, do I think they need to be focusing on gun control than anything else right now, along with student loan debt? Absolutely. Um, they just they, the House just passed bipartisan gun um, gun control. I would like to see what that really looks like and the details of that. That hasn't really come out on like what the heavy hitters within that policy is. Um, one thing I do know besides is about the red flag laws that if they're and then the background checks have also been expanded that if you are between the ages of 18 and 21, your background checks are even more in depth, right? Um, since that's where we're seeing a lot of the mass shootings happening and then uh, an increased amount to like mental health services also is there. But there are a lot of loopholes in the gun control laws that have to be changed. And that also comes at a local level. Um, so I will say abortion has several ways to get hit from legislation wise, from the court wise, but I think gun control takes more time because you got to change more people's minds mm. um, because everyone says, and now extremely also the black community are saying, well, well, all these white boys are shooting up our schools and have guns, you know, then we need to have guns too to protect themselves. Absolutely. But do you need a grenade launcher? Mm. No. Right. Do you need a do you need an AK? No. Mm, no. Do you need an AR-15? Like, do you need certain things? Like do, a pistol? Okay. Like, but do you need certain military style weapons that even the military doesn't want you to have have access to because of you know the high casualty rates? I don't necessarily think you do, you know, and maybe someone can change my mind on it. I'm always open to hear more about the gun control conversation um, about it, but there, there's a lot of, I just can't see any more small caskets, you know, I just, I can't do it. And that's the part that gets me. It's just after Sandy Springs, you know, I mean, Sandy Hook and then Sandy Springs, we live in Atlanta. After <laughs> Sandy Hook and then what happened in Texas, I think we have to have another conversation about the effectiveness of law, law enforcement too, too, because they were sitting in this inside the school, not just outside the school. They were inside the school for an hour while shooting was happening. So we also have to talk about the effectiveness. And every time something comes out, it's just like a, it's a reinstating the grieving process for these families. So like the gun control conversation has to be a local conversation, has to be a national conversation, has to be a law enforcement conversation. You know, it gets very easy to say they're trying to take our guns, but no one really gives a F about your guns as long as you stop killing my children. Right. You know? So, exactly. I mean... It's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that come into play with different debates. And it's also about like the public capitalizing off certain moments. You know, mm -hmm. I think the fact that ICE 
was at the school in Texas, the fact that you, um, which is the immigration enforcement um, people, uh, law enforcement office, the fact that, you know, the, F- the FBI was there, local, like this, local cops were there and still all these kids got killed. Come on. Yeah. You know? And I mean, let's be honest, if I can say this without getting in trouble, probably will, whatever. The president is the most protected person in the world. And still we've had a presence assassinated by armed gunmen. What does that hear about our schools? Right. So we, this conversation has to be deeper than just mental health and gun control. It has to be multi-leveled, you know, community mm-hmm. investments, all of that. Um, but these legislations that are passed, that need to pass, have to come with money. So like the future of politics is mutual aid. So unless you are, you need to start putting the hands in people to the people, money in the people's hands, because direct aid, mutual aid, all that's going to be really impactful to the bigger issues that we are having. Um, when you say and we're the-, the only state. That- hmm? Oh no, go ahead. I'll say we're the only country that has this issue because we're the only country who has gun laws that's freaking loose. Right. When you say put money in the people's hands, do you mean like put money in like the politician, the politicians hands or like actual like citizens? People like me, you actual citizens put money in the citizens hands. Absolutely. Um, They need the people need the money not necessarily the politicians, you know, mm-hmm. they get the money, they get paid everywhere, anytime, but direct aid will help lift a lot of people up from poverty, more choices, uh, more okay. better, I see what you mean. everything. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, so like, for gotcha. example, Atlanta's, a, a lot of these states um, and cities, specifically now Atlanta has started um, guaranteed income situations. And yeah, Atlanta's actually doing one. It's called the Grow Fund here. And they're giving, oh, I hope I'm probably going to get this wrong. I think it's around 1,200 or 800 Black women um, a certain amount of money every month of direct income and see what they can do with it to maneuver through the community and how it would directly impact and move them out of positions of um, lower income status. Hmm. So we have to, yeah, we have to have bigger conversations. It's not just about gun control. It's not just about abortion. It's not just about everything. We just have to have a bigger conversation and really get to the meat and potatoes. Because the reason why we're focusing all these other things is because we're not paying attention to everything else. Right. That makes which is hard because when you got to pay your bills, you you it's hard to pay attention to everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah, that. That is so true, especially right now, like in this economy and like a looming recession, people are getting laid off left and right. It's kind of almost hard, like how you were saying earlier, to like be involved in your community. It's almost sometimes a little hard to do that when you're, you know, stressed out about like income and just like your basic needs being met on the day to day. Like it's, it's Absolutely. hard. It's very difficult. Inflation's a thing, you know, and it's hitting people awfully and then you had covid that's still going on you know Mm -hmm. cases are rising though deaths are increasing but decreasing thank god but cases are rising 
you know, and we're not talking about because we have inflation problems and we have this problems and basic needs are not being met. We're having a mass amount of people being evicted. So now we're going to have a whole new set of homeless population, like unhoused population. Like it's just, it's about to be World War Three up in this. <laughs> and I say that with all the love and hope in the world, because I am very hopeful for the future. And I know that sounds crazy, especially since yeah. I'm in this work, but like, <laughs> I met with these amazing kids at Wokevote and they were black and brown college students who are just Gen Z, who are just ready to like burn this place down and just change the world. And when I tell you they gave me so much hope, I, I came in and write, well, I came into work the next day just writing a 50 million emails like, look at these kids, you must help them. Ah! I'm telling you, it's there's a lot of hope out here to have, but it's hard. It's hard out here. And it's hard to stay politically engaged when things are so costly, which is why I say Mm -hmm. the least expensive thing to do is talk to your community and talk to your people. When black men are in the barbershop, they talk. When you're at the nail salon, talk. When you're at the hair salon, say something, you know, did you hear about this? Blah, 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 blah. Hey, they're, they're voting in this area. Blah, 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 blah. Did you know you're by a voting booth? Can I put a flyer here? Whatever. You can make your own flyers. You know, a lot of things can be done that are on the people's, in the people's hands. But but I always say, take care of you first, put your mask on first, do what you got to do for you first, and then reach out to your community. So before we, uh, like we end this conversation, which I've found to be so like enlightening and inspiring, what, like. Cause you know, you're, I feel like you've got your ears to the ground. You're very engaged. What, like, what's like, I guess, what are some things that people need to, to know? Like, as far as like government, like what's happening, like from, you know, student loans to whatever, like, what are like two or three things that like we should, for those of us who, you know, aren't as tuned in, like, what should we be paying attention to or be on the lookout for in the next cu- uh, couple of months? So one All of the candidates that are currently running are hosting events in their communities. Um, Attend some, you know, talk to, ask questions. That's a way to participate. Most of them are virtual, so you can just do it from your house um, or wherever you're at. Have a watch party, all that stuff. That is a great way to get involved and a great way to make sure that your issues are staying upon the people who are currently running for office, who need your, who have to earn your vote, right? And then there are community organizations in your area that need help and need assistance, both body-wise and financially-wise. If you have $5, give the $5, please. If you don't have the $5, find someone who does. (laughs) I know it sounds, I know as we talked about inflation and people having to meet their needs, some $2 does make a difference. I know it sounds crazy, but a dollar and $2 make a difference. And notice I did not say to give to campaigns. I said to give to the organizations because the organizations will help do the work that you really want to see within your community for right now. The candidates can get the money from the big dollar people, but for you and for me, and the people who are, you know, kind of balling on the budget, you gotta, I would say, give to some of these local organizations. They truly, truly need it more than anyone else. And then secondly, lastly, I would say vote. 
I know that sounds crazy. And no, I, I didn't mention anything about legislation or anything like that to pay attention to. I said, pay attention to the candidates, pay attention to your community, and then vote. Um, because your all the work you do needs to be followed up with an action. And the action is voting. And then after that, you can continue with more, more work and more actions. Um, there's a lot of things going on right now and it can seem very mind-boggling but the organizations will help keep you focused and they'll help give you resources the candidates will help provide you guidance and clearance on what's going on because it's their job to inform you because they're running for office so they will inform you and it's their job to make it accessible and those are the three things I say that people should be paying attention to right now, especially community organizations. They got hit hardest during COVID and they need our support body-wise and monetarily-wise. So if you have the time and you have the ability, go help out. You heard it here, folks. Go help out, get involved. Obviously, take care of yourself first, but definitely like get involved if you have the means and if you're able to.